Um, now, do you remember when we, uh, I wrote the young Indiana Jones thing with you? Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. we both had these. Matahari? Hey, you! Yes. You're a That's always the best way to write. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd always write these beautiful <laughs> romantic lines. No, but and that your opinion was, of my romantic line was, uh, is I, in that little. That no, but toy. we would, I remember that we both took them and with I this, would take those it away was, from you. No, but you had it also. We were both going like that yeah. and doing. We no, we both had them and we I were would, both. I would grab it away from you and. Well, the Send thing is, you. you you wanted to write, and I believe it, it did end up this way because you know you're George Lucas and I'm not, which I only realized this morning, which was upsetting. Um, <laughs> uh, you wanted to write, your eyes are the colors of diamonds that glow. Nah, come on, the, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty. Well, it was very flowery. It was very anti-ironic uh, uh, and and modern, cynical it, it kind was, of dialogue. It wasn't hip, it was... Uh, it was very 40s, it, well, but I mean, was, the was... weirdest 40s in the world. <laughs> You're a So are you. Hey, you talking to me? <laughs> All right, this I is the way we write together. This is the, yeah, when we were writing the together, we I'd say, I got this great idea, what if she... she <laughs> and I would break your thought. Yeah, you break my thought. But it ended up being your thing anyway. You got your way. No, it's I didn't. Way. No, I didn't. It was a shared responsibility. You modified my overly flowery romantic tendencies. Um, and made it all ironic and crazed like I am. Hello, passengers, travelers, and voyagers. Welcome aboard the Katana Cast, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to celebrating and exploring the saga from our certain points of view. I'm your pilot, Ian, and with me, as always, are my co-pilots, Maria and Ben. So sit back and relax as we take off. Okay, Mandalorian Season 2. We have one more week until the first episode premieres. Mm -hmm. What do we have... Well, first off, have any of us seen any of the trailers or the sneak peeks, posters, anything? I mean, I think I've seen everything that there is to see at this point, which luckily, similar to the first season, there's not really that much to see. Just fine by me. I like that Force Awakens style of marketing where I'm seeing maybe the first two, three episodes. That's all that I really need. Uh, I feel so bad for all of our fellow podcasters and Star Wars pundits out there the other night who went to live stream for that new trailer. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was maybe four seconds of new material to talk about. I do not envy them on that one. Yeah, I heard that it pretty much was a bunch of much ado about nothing. 
Well, you're mostly getting not necessarily the exact same footage, but you're getting it within maybe a second of the footage that we've already seen before. Slightly different camera angle. So it's really nothing more than just a, another social media plug more than anything. They're not showing us anything okay. new. They got us talking about it. They had everyone sitting around watching the football or basketball, whatever the fuck was going on, dude. I don't do all that shit. <laughs> Sports ball. Yeah, they did a sports ball. Mm -hmm. I watched the internet for it. I didn't have to sit through a sports ball. Right on. Maria, how about you? I, honestly, I, I've seen all the spots, too. I've seen just about all I can see. Um, I don't think it was geared towards us. Like, the last trailer or whatever mm -hmm. is for the layman. It's for the Star Wars layman. It's for the person who didn't see Rise of Skywalker or saw it once. Uh, the people who say they're fans and you don't see them at celebration, you know, those people um, to remind them that Star Wars is coming. Um, so I, I really didn't expect a whole lot. I had a personal event, which made me think that maybe Ahsoka would show up. And of course, that didn't happen. Um, but other than that, like, I feel like it was just to let the everyday Star Wars layman know Star Wars is coming. That's yeah. it. I'm really glad that they haven't shown too much yet. Like that's that's good because I want to see everything when it's perfect. I don't want to see it if we're still working on it. If there's more that they need to do, let's do that. I don't want to be yeah. the person like waiting to last, you know, rushing them. And I want to have the same experience that I had with the child in the first episode. So whatever your big surprises, don't show me. I'm so glad we didn't see a dark saber in a trailer. I'm so glad we didn't see the child. We got all of that as an actual surprise. And I hope that they just continue that in the future. Yeah. So I'm trying to go into this with as much or as little knowledge, I should say, as possible. Because I've said it a bunch of times already, I'm, I'm sure, but I'll keep saying it. I bought Disney Plus specifically for The Mandalorian, which is something I didn't think I would do. Uh, and I hadn't even seen any of the trailers beforehand or anything. Like I saw the one poster and that was it. Uh, I didn't watch the trailer until after watching the first episode. And that's what I'm going to do this time. I saw the four character posters that they put out, I, I guess, maybe a week or two ago now. That was kind of cool. I like geeked out and opened my like Star Wars dictionary to try to figure out some of the Arabesh in the background, <laughs> into the background. And uh, got in a little rabbit hole there. Couldn't really make out anything legible. But what I am aware of are some of the rumored and or not rumored castings or casting choices or characters that will appear. H has any of these casting rumors created any sort of expectations for you about maybe just how much we will be seeing of particular characters like i know timothy oliphant's rumored to be showing up i've heard sabine and obviously ahsoka are rumored to be coming in who else tamara morrison so maybe either captain rex if not boba fett so how do you think how do we think they're going to manage to control all these sort of appearances? Like, how do you think they're going to dish it out for us? Well, if it's anything like we've learned just with Filoni's past work, at least, I think that there's going to be a lot more control. I should say, I hope that there's going to be a lot more control than what there might have been if it was just John Favreau, who is a great director. 
But at the same time, I don't know if he'd be able to control himself if he suddenly had these characters to play with without having Filoni's influence on it. Looking at the the writing credits for those episodes, I have a strong guess of when Ahsoka will probably pop in. I hope that she is only honestly in that episode because I I just want a taste of Ahsoka and I'm so terrified because this means so much to so many people. I just mm. really, really need her to be okay. Because if she comes on that screen and for a second she doesn't look like Ahsoka, we're all going to wilt just a little bit inside. I, I'm sure we'll move past it because we've moved past worse in the past. Yeah. Ahsoka means everything to so many people. It's such a scary thing to play with. But I do Hello. trust Dave. I don't think Dave would fuck up his baby because that's that's his self-insert character. Like as much as he throws a wolf and everything, Ahsoka is Dave in the Star Wars universe, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, Maria, Ahsoka, go for it. I don't know what else to say. I've said it all <laughs> on, on Sisters. I'm, I'm happy. I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I'm worried. Um, I'm. Are you worried about the actual like aesthetics appearance or... More I'm so worried about writing. The story. I'm worried about the voice. I'm worried about aesthetics. I'm worried about the casting. Mm. <laughs> I'm worried about. I'm just worried, baby. I'm sweating <laughs> in my wig cap. I'm just I'm worried. You know, oh, I'm fucking worried. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm sweating because I I just you know. I know this is like every fan's famous last words, but I need them to do this right. Mm. Okay. Yes. Yes. We got a lot riding on this. Okay. Um, It is difficult with creature characters, like Mm -hmm. non-human characters, to get um, the emotion to come out. And we we know Ahsoka, right? We've lived with Ahsoka for over a decade. We know her, and fans are going to be able to spot. If it's not her, right? You can be somebody in the costume and not be Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like a big champion to keep Ashley as the voice. At least then yes. we have something to hold on to. We've got something and we're not just floating in the atmosphere, hoping that we, we catch her. So I, I'm, I'm really disappointed in the casting, um, but it's done, right? They didn't call me. Who would you have liked to see? Anna Diop. She's beautiful. She's a she was um Starfire in uh Oh Titans. Uh, yeah. Senegalese actress. Absolutely oh. gorgeous too. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's it for me. Like when I look at her, that's that's what I see. But they made that decision without me. You know, they Dave didn't call me. So, you know, it is what it is. If it works then it's going to change my daughter's life forever. <laughs> if it if it doesn't work, then we'll we'll be fine and we'll weather the storm. Um to Ben's point, we we've, we've weathered way more than this. We we mm-hmm. we survived the holiday special, okay? We can make <laughs> I, it through this one. <laughs> so I, I just like 2 hours ago finished watching it the first time ever ever oh boy <laughs> i'd, I'd let's seen get a live that, reaction what's I'd the live seen, reaction it was interesting um <laughs> not what you thought no not not like okay i heard it was bad right 
Like mm. you hear stuff all the time. Um, so and so so bad, or they did such a terrible job with this, or you know, throw every single copy in the dumpster, set it on fire. I was like, it's Star I think Wars. George was right that time. It's Star yeah. Wars. Like, Oof. so, um, why? <laughs> One of my biggest things is how come there's no closed captions? <laughs> like, we we couldn't have like even just like quick one word like uh, translations. Nothing. It's like 15 minutes of just like animal barks and animal noises. <laughs> That's a George thing, unfortunately, as much as he's washed his hands of the holiday special. And if you look over the oral history of it, most of it had nothing to do with him. But the Wookiees having large scenes of dialogue without any subtitles. That's a George thing. We got it again when we did the Ewok TV movies to the point of where they had to kind of strong arm him to get Burl Ives to come in as narrator. Because George really doesn't want to do subtitles for some reason. He thinks that uh, it'd be a little more silent film acting, but unfortunately those Wookiee costumes did not act. I mean, they definitely oh, got a reaction. <laughs> okay. Because scratchy, what was that? good God, itchy, itchy. What was yeah. that white mess of an itchy? <laughs> See, God that... damn. It's a mess. So bad. Yeah. So bad. Lumpy. <laughs> we watch it every Christmas. You could see like the mat like the shift. Like you mm-hmm. could tell the actor or actress who was playing Lumpy was like wearing like a large costume. Mm-hmm. I gotta say though, A plus on Lumpy's facial expressions. Yeah, Lumpy is an icon. Lumpy sh- is the entire reason that <laughs> Disney should go yeah, ahead, MVP. shell out the money, and just give us a remaster, throw it on Disney Plus as a secret holiday gift. Like, yep. We all know what it is. It doesn't hurt the canon. It's just what Star Wars can be when it's just fun and silly. And I think we need some fun and silly after a year like this. So if I could get an HD print of Lumpy walking on the rails, making those hideous fucking faces, I would absolutely pay money for that. <laughs> Horrifying. It looks like he might come back in the Lego holiday special. Yeah, it looks like yes. in the trailer. Itchy and Mala were there too. Yeah. Yes. I hope they do. It'd be so much fun. Which will be interesting because I thought Maz and, and Chewbacca were getting down. So maybe he'll get into some like Mari Povich stuff <laughs> and they'll have to figure that out. Mala, this is not your lumpy. <laughs> There you go. Have to explain that one. Or maybe they're divorced now and they're just cool. Now they're just friends and they're mature adults that know how to parent together. Friends with benefits. (laughs) Um, I will say, and I don't know if I've, I may have mentioned that during the roundtable, but the coolest part ever that like I will, this is a hill I will die on, uh, that animated segment is so cool that is the best boba related piece of anything to me that's why boba fett is cool i look at the movies and i'm like he just looks cool but he doesn't do shit but the animated series i'm like okay like it's believable like this guy is a badass like hell yeah he's great that was it novana who animated that i think so it's so amazingly 70s canadian animation they did all that like early droids, Ewoks, mm-hmm. animated stuff. Uh, that's the other thing too, was uh, even though they didn't really have much of a set, I loved that concept art of Kashyyyk, of like the hut. Like that was cool. But getting back, 
Getting <laughs> circling back to the Mandalorian, I feel like when it comes to creatures, wasn't Shock T to Gruda too? So I feel yes. like they. I feel like who? Oh no, we're just agreeing with. I you. said yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, Shock T is the first to Gruda in Star Wars on film. On film, I feel like uh, they got the look down. I have faith in the prosthetics, especially like, you know, fast forward uh, 15 years. Like it can only be better than it was in the prequel trilogy. Hopefully lighter, because I felt like the actress who was playing Shakti, I felt like she was weighed down a lot. Like if you look at her eye lines, they're not, she doesn't have a whole lot of line of sight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you raised another interesting point, Maria, was the voice. Do you think that Rosario Dawson is going to, in some way, model her voice on Ashley Eckstein's or no? Absolutely not. I do not think that if if they were going to include Ashley, they would have done it already, right? The, the few snippets that have been put out there um, from Ashley's side of things, it does not sound like they are interested in in tea time with her. They've decided that this character makes money and they're going to take the character and do what they want with it, which kind of hurts because Ashley was there at ground zero. She was there when no one else was there. Um, she took the time to sign everything I had and take a picture with me, listen to my story and all of this nonsense. And I, I think she's a wonderful ambassador for the brand. And to replace that with someone who might not be such a great ambassador and, and you know, embrace diversity, boy, that's kind of a slap in the face. Um, I, I don't think she's going to take any cues from Ashley. Uh, I feel like this individual thinks they're a big deal. And, you know, they've been campaigning for the role for a really long time. And they feel like they should just have it because they're whoever they are. They, they think they're, I believe... This person believes they're a bigger deal than what they are. And, you know, good luck to you. I hope it works out. Um, but I think it's a big mistake to not include Ashley. If nothing else, then to consult. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, leave the door open. Yes, Dave's the father of Ahsoka, but without Ashley. Like, Ashley is the heart. As much as I want to see women of color on screen, I also don't want to leave a piece of the character behind. And I think we're li- we're leaving a pretty big piece um, behind with Ashley not being the voice or being involved in any way. So it sucks, but we'll see what happens. Um, but for the record, I do think it's an epic fail to leave her behind and not include her in some way. Yeah, I really hope they go through and make something up to her. In all honesty, she is the heart and soul of that character. That character does not work without Ashley in the animated series. No, the writing is fantastic. Ashley sells that because she sold us on a character that had every right to be a little bit obnoxious when she was originally introduced. Just kind of your young go-getter character. And Ashley brought so much soul to that character from episode one that she won people over who were going to fight against a character like Ahsoka. So not having her there in any form seems... I don't want to say a slap in the face, but it feels like a slap in the face. And I hope that there are some conversations going on where they're able to give her something or some sort of apology for that. Yeah, I don't know if either of you saw this or um, maybe you did, but I don't know how many months ago it was. I think it was sometime during the winter or maybe it was right around when COVID was first like popping out. On her website, Ashley Eckstein wrote, 
some kind of I don't know if it was a blog post or like a letter, but mm-hmm. um, she definitely felt like it was a slap in the face. I forget mm-hmm. exactly what mm-hmm. was written or what exactly she said, but like she definitely felt hurt uh, a lot. So, so yeah, I, I think uh, they missed a potential big opportunity there. Is there anything you wish Mandalorian 2 would address or add to whether it's in terms of world building story or characters representation um settings anything yeah um i've mean, got a couple things i don't like to over speculate when it comes to a felony series because i've never been let down as of yet so i'm sure that there's something good coming i hope well i feel very comfortable in saying i'm sure we've we're going to get more fennec shan we'll definitely get more of that character because if uh, if for any reason they just waste Ming-Na Wen like that, there's really no excuse at this point. Especially as that, that series needs as much female and like people of color as possible. Yeah. Because this is, I feel like this is kind of the new flagship Star Wars right now. I th- don't think even something like Rise of Skywalker took that back from it. Mandalorian is the new entry point for both your casual fans and also your hardcore fans. So I hope that they do keep that into account with the way that they build the world. How about you, Maria? I feel like it's important to maintain the storyline, right? They're opening it up because it was successful and we're throwing a bunch of new characters in there. But I feel like it's it's important to maintain the objective and to not lose sight of that along the way. Um, I would love to see trans characters show up or or some gay folks. Hey, you know. Please. Uh, hello. Yep. So just waiting on that um i i think dave wants to do it um i i don't i know disney just does not want to take a stance that's it they don't want to cut off money that's the only reason it hasn't been done which is really ironic because disney has been tiptoeing up on queer representation lately mm-hmm. um it's something that if you listen to the pink milk roundtables i believe hope was talking about just recently is the owl house is a fantastic representation of young queer characters and full mainline disney branded media so it's not like the company doesn't know that that's an option that they can go into they clearly have a stance on it but they're really tiptoeing and haven't got their balls yet on bringing it over to the big leagues so your marvels and your star wars that's the one they're going to tiptoe around for a little bit Mm-hmm. And just stop already. Honestly, like it's 2020 and the world is on fire. Like, just throw them in. We all know what's going on. I don't think it's going to burn the city to the ground. Well, we obviously don't exist. So, well, and here's the thing like, children are smarter than you think. My stepson is 10, right? He understands that some men like men, and that's okay. And some ladies like ladies. And some people don't know or they're unsure or they're exploring that. And that's okay, too. It's not that hard. He's 10 and he gets it. Like, he's just like, well, that's good. What are we going to eat for dinner? Like, you know, and he just moves on. He was more disturbed by the fact that Trump said he wanted to kiss everyone in the audience than he was about, you know, anything else like he's like i don't want that man to touch me (laughs) good (laughs) like you don't have to (laughs) right on it's ridiculous trust kids yeah hey 
kids 2020 let's, yes let's have the kids do it we'll be in a better spot than we are now that's for sure absolutely <laughs> um speaking of costumes and lumpy uh obi-wan oh kenobi oh my god <laughs> that's a jump that is a segue for the ages <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting here, I was sitting here trying to think of a segue, and I was like, how can I bring this around? And that was it. Uh, (laughs) You're welcome. Okay, thank you. Okay, Okay, we're sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, Ewan McGregor McGregor, uh, reportedly had his costume fitting and he was talking about like just how good it felt like seeing it uh, it brought all this emotion to him what i took most out of it was he seems to be super duper excited for this and that it's happening um i know it's not supposed to be filming at least until around march i just wanted to start to kind of get some some feelers out there like what are we thinking about this kenobi series hearing Ewan McGregor. It seems like it was this week. It was the costume fitting. Two weeks ago, it was talk. He was talking about filming and finally getting it off the ground soon. You know, what are are our thoughts? Where would you like to see Kenobi go? I guess. Honestly, I think I'm really down with just about a six episode limited series and then just calling it a day because I don't think that there's that much story that really should be in that in between. Uh, Obi-Wan being in exile is so important to the story of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. We need to really see that he's just been sitting there not getting into too much. I'm okay with one last adventure. I hope it doesn't get too crazy. For example, I hope he doesn't leave Tatooine. He may. But if I had my druthers, I would just have him there and find something to do with it. I will put a bet right now that I believe that Liam Neeson will return. I think he will show up as a force ghost. He's definitely expressed interest. And Ewan has enough pull right now that I think he could do a personal phone call and get him back if he wanted to at this point. Wow. That's the first I've heard of heard of that. Um, gosh, I don't, I'd been thinking about the more than strong possibility of Hayden coming back mm-hmm. in some way as Anakin that, to be honest, I hadn't even thought anything at all about possibly getting Qui-Gon. God, that would, that changes things for me. Yeah, don't get me wrong. In the next two years tops, if it hasn't already been filmed, there will be a DH Hayden Christensen flashback in one of these live action series. Oh, yeah. If it's not in The Mandalorian with Ahsoka, uh, it's definitely going to appear over in the Obi-Wan series. It's mm-hmm. just going to happen if it hasn't already happened because there's been enough feelers laid out by Lucasfilm to kind of see what the fan reaction would be. And overall, I think it's been very positive. So we're going to see that. There's oh, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind. Oh, yeah. The proof is in the celebration numbers of people taking pictures mm-hmm. with them. I mean, if nothing else, like they know that people are still interested. Absolutely. Um, I know no one asked me, but I'll just give my two cents any fucking way. Um, you were going to be you were going to oh, be next. I jumped the gun. OK, <laughs> not the first or the last time I will be premature. That's OK. Um <laughs> So um, I think keeping it nice and tight is always a good thing. I think the whole Kenobi tidbit train is the longest hand job the world's ever seen. Mm. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, we'll we'll find a way through. We'll find a way. (laughs) 
Um, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm excited. I, what I'd like to see is the mall fight happen again in a more, um, yes, satisfying way. But I, I very seriously doubt that's going to happen. Um, Hayden, I would say I'm leaning right now, 80% chance he's going to be in it. 75% chance for, um, old Liam Neeson showing back up. I think Hayden is almost a hundred percent. Like Ben said, guaranteed to show up in a Disney series at some point, whether it's with Ahsoka or it's with Obi-Wan or someone else we haven't even talked about yet. (coughs) Sabe, Mm. you know, series, (laughs) Um, you know, either way, um, I feel like he's going to show up at some point. Um, my dream, of course, which I've said many times over, is to see Hayden and whoever the on-screen Ahsoka is together at the end, um, you know, building that bridge, mending that fence, and crossing over when it's time for her to leave, uh, when she is done fulfilling her purpose. Uh, so that would be my my greatest wish. But uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's a great opportunity to bring in some Inquisitors. Um, and he doesn't have to leave Tatooine to have a, a dramatic story, right? We can simply have warring factions on Tatooine, or we can have Inquisitors show up on Tatooine. How do we get them out of there without creating more concern to bring others here? You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's um, it's a unique opportunity. And um, with you and McGregor executive producing. Uh, to Ben's point, I think he is in control and he can make a phone call if he wanted to make a phone call um, to damn near anybody um, from the old days. So, I, you know, it could be anybody that shows up. Hey, if Jar Jar shows back up. I I'm, was just going to say that. Please. I want I'm them here to it. reminisce in. Uh, I'd love to see a cut scene. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to go to Anchorhead. Because we got Anchorhead, a small piece of it, in the Knights of the Old Republic video games. I would love for them to just talk about the glory days, get drunk as fuck, and like reminisce. And like (laughs) Jar Jar. I love Jar Jar. More Jar Jar. My my hope and then my pitch for it, if there's anyone listening, take it for free. I won't have a fit on the internet, I promise you. (laughs) Ahmed Best deserves another go. I know that he already has, uh, you know, his canon character from that Jedi Temple show. But I really want to see an older, mature Jar Jar who has a lot of regrets for feeling like he brought on the Empire. Have a conversation with an older Ben Kenobi who has a lot of regrets feeling like he brought on Darth Vader. Because I think that there's more to Mm. that character. And it's time for someone to take the writing reins and give him a a chance to really get the shine Serious. that he deserved mm. because he's a great actor. It's not his fault that that script was shit. Right. Yeah, exactly. Beard or no beard on Jar Jar. Oh, long ass Tarple's beard with beads. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hell yes. So I, what I'd like most, I think from the Kenobi series is definitely some so i agree 100 percent. hayden's coming back in any you know any shape or form any day now i am more in line thinking like 90 
90%, 95% he'll be in the Kenobi series. At least that's what I would like anyway. I, what I would like, though, is I'd love something kind of similar to, um, like, so there's this old Western called Shane. Like, I would mm-hmm. love I would love some kind of Tatooine Shane because of the child and baby Yoda. You know, we don't necessarily need to see Luke or young Luke. Um, we could see a silhouette of some kind or anything like we did in Rebels which was really mm-hmm. cool. Or, you know, hear Amperu, <laughs> get that sound clip again, mm-hmm. calling for Luke. Um, but just like seeing old Ben, like protect uh, the Lars homestead, not necessarily from Tuscan Raiders, but like, you know, let's see some like farm on farm violence action going on. Like, what are these? Like, you got to think like it's mm-hmm. hard to come across moisture on a two sun mm-hmm. planet. So, um, like, what kind of shit are Lars and Baru putting up with? Uh, it's sort of like a reluctant thing. Like, maybe Baru's like, you know who could help us? You know who could mm-hmm. who could help take this all away? And then Owen's just like, guy's a fucking wizard. I don't like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cause some tension, some family drama. That's always good. Um, I'd love something like that. Do you think there's a chance that we'll get Joel Edgerton and I think her name is Bonnie Pais, who played the younger... Owen and Baru and Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith to come back? I don't know. But I feel like I remember seeing something in the last year where Joel Edgerton was like, he, he pretty much was like, I'm game if they're game. How many people are going to pick up on that, though? I just want to be honest. That's for, true. That's for, true. For five seconds, I just want to kick it to you honestly. How many motherfuckers are going to say, oh, my God, that's the guy from episode three. <laughs> Honey, look, get, come over and here. Two, the kitchen. And two. You know, okay. Episode two oh, and Okay, three. and and attack of the clones fame okay honey get the <laughs> chips out you know who, who the fuck's gonna only That's... us we are the only people clocking that shit <laughs> nobody else is gonna give a fuck you put a standard brown-haired white lady in that robe it it works you know <laughs> most people you know basic white woman with brown hair okay done <laughs> we can all go home <laughs> Fair. It's worked for every lead female character in Star Wars so far, so why not another basic white brown-haired lady? <laughs> what you about Kira Knightley? <laughs> no, no disrespect no. to the basic brown-haired women. This is a this is just off the top of my head, but seeing the way that kind of Disney has started moving people around. So, for example, if you get in a Star Wars like Kelly Marie Tran, who is now the lead voice actress for Raya and the Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. Natalie Portman just recently signed back onto the MCU for that Thor sequel. It wouldn't take a lot of phone calls if you and just wanted her to come in and do a quick flashback. Mm-hmm. You throw a little bit of that DH magic that they're already going to be using on that series. We could have a really good obi-wan and padme scene that we never got in the actual prequels both her and hayden have not aged like i i personally don't think they've aged in like the last five years he looked good when i saw him (laughs) he looked good man looked good i don't think natalie portman's ever coming back i think she's done with star wars I, i just i don't see it i loved what she did on saturday night live i i don't see it I could be wrong and I may end up eating these words and that's okay. That's okay. Look, I fucked up a lot in my life. You're talking to somebody that's done nothing but <laughs> for 
years. I've got a wonderful streak of fucking up 100% of the time. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but I just, I don't see her coming back uh, to the franchise ever at this point. Um, she she doesn't talk about it much. And she doesn't seem like she's real fond of it. Mm-mm. I think the only time I've heard her talk about it is, I don't remember if it was Vanity Fair or maybe Vogue that she was doing an interview with where she said she doesn't let her kids watch the prequels. Mm. So she may not be the biggest fan. I, she's a really, really, really low percentage chance of seeing her back. I would guess that Kira Knightley is more likely to return to it before we actually get Natalie Portman. Oh, so yeah, I would totally go the other way. I feel like Natalie Portman's more likely to return than Kira Knightley for sure. Hmm. Well, just because Kira Knightley was going on about like, she didn't even know who she was. Yeah, but that Disney money, it speaks volumes. That's George, though. You get into a scene with George and you don't know what's happening because George can't articulate what, what's in here. You know what I mean? Like, George is one of those guys. That's why he needs somebody else to help him. He needs an Irving Kirshner. He needs these other guys mm-hmm. to help him manifest what he's thinking because it's up here. So it's not a surprise at all for me to know that, like, Kiera Knightley had no idea who her character was because he's just okay we're gonna film a scene now and you're we're gonna stand right here look at look at the camera look like her i think i found your new cosplay (laughs) (laughs) you know so that's not shocking to me i just think that's george that's his mo you know he Mm -hmm. he doesn't understand that we're not all inside his head god love him love you george (laughs) Uncle George. Uncle Gio. Oh, it's bad now. Ahsoka says Uncle George. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> um we got some High Republic news. Okay. Actually, we got some High Republic news and art. Mm. We met some cool new young uh High Republic Padawans. What are our first thoughts? Um first off, we get a Wookiee Jedi. Which we, we sure got, do. we got in the Clone Wars. Gunji, but, yeah. But this, he, I think. All right, I think this guy's name's Buryaga. He looks like he could fuck shit up. There's also we got some more representation too. We have Lula Talasola. What I'm noticing with this artwork is I love how the Padawans sashes match their Jedi blades. Yeah, I'm that's just what's really that cool. Too, now that I look at it. Mm-hmm. I gotta that say that I'm dope. really excited to see some natural protective hairstyles in Star Wars, honestly. Hey, let's get it. Like this Bell Zedifar character, like, thank God we finally have a black man in Star Wars who doesn't have just a short crop or a completely bald head. Well, don't forget, who was who's the Jedi that dated Asajj Ventress? Well, that's Quinlan Voss, and yes, I he believe had dreads, he's right? Pacific Islander. And oh, okay, I always assumed he was like Latino Pacific Islander guy. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I don't know if it's ever been expressly um, noted before. That's yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but uh, with Bell Zetafar, he's got his uh, Force companion. I'm excited to see what kind of escapades these two get into do you think any of what we'll see with these four jedi padawans do you think 
we'll get something similar to what we got in the Clone Wars. I'm, I'm not really sure how they'll utilize them. I do wonder with uh, the addition of his Force Commander, and I believe her name is Ember, I wonder if we're going to see a version of the Jedi Order where they were more into leaning into the Padawan's natural Force abilities. So, for example, in his case, it may be something similar to what we saw with Ezra in Rebels, mm-hmm. where he has a natural connection with nature. I wonder if we'll see a version of the Order where finding what your gift is is something that they lean you towards instead of necessarily it being as stringent as we see by the time of the prequels. Maria, how about you? That's an excellent point that Ben just brought up that I never even fucking thought about. Um, Just visually, it's exciting for me to see a whole bunch of folks and none of them are white folks. You know, um, no disrespect to white folks. I love y'all. It's nice to see some, some color. So I was excited about it. I immediately got an instant message from one of the sisters. Uh, Portia was just in tears. Like it, it feels good to have yourself seen on a big stage like this. Um, I'm excited for where it goes. Um, I just, I, I think it's a, it's a good place to start, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see. But like the, the skin tones are, are a little bit different on. Um, the two people of color, which is cool. And um, we haven't seen a, a, a Wookiee Jedi since uh, since Gunji in that Younglings arc. So I'm excited to see um, what happens with that. Um, I know that Wookiees are not often chosen for whatever reason. So I think that's cool. That's going to be a lot of fun. We'll just, we'll have to wait and see. I'm digging the robes though. Yes. They're hot. I'm Lula, all- Lula, man, her robe is just getting it. I'm so excited to see these show up at celebration. There's going to be so many good cosplays for cosplayers who have a lot more choice of people who look like them than had it previously. Mm. These people are going to knock it out of the park. Hello. As someone who like can't leave the house without matching, like just the lightsabers with the sashes like why did that ever go out of style that's gonna be my star wars story (laughs) (laughs) ah cool beautiful call me when they get some matching shoes though because that's really where we're gonna be pushing it yes Mm. or uh matching like hair ties with the braids get that scrunchie (laughs) (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. um so a couple days ago was october the 21st and that was carrie fisher's birthday she would have been 64 general kenobi years ago you served my father in the clone wars well now he begs you to help him in his struggle struggle against against the empire Empire. i regret that i am unable to present my father's request to you in person but my my ship ship has fallen under attack and i'm afraid my mission to bring you to alderaan has failed I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion to the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Ladies and gentlemen, Carrie Fisher. Hi, I'm... Mrs. Han Solo, and I'm an alcoholic. <clears throat> Let's talk about the evolution of the actress Carrie Fisher and the character of Leia. Um, 
Let's talk about our first impressions of Leia when we first see her. Um, I know for me personally, um, you know, like being a very impressionable early young child, first seeing Leia was just really, I don't know how to say it other than just powerful. Because at first, you know, she's trying to lay out the secret message to have R2-D2 go to Tatooine to get Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, you know, she, as soon as R2-D2 leaves, you know, she's got her pistol with her. She's hiding in the dark. She's ready for the stormtroopers. Like, she's prepared. Uh, she's someone who is determined and passionate. And even when she gets arrested, she's talking back to Vader before she gets taken off to the Death Star. Uh, when she gets rescued, she's like, what the fuck kind of rescue? This isn't a rescue. <laughs> what are y'all doing? Like, how did you get here? How did you find me? Like, y'all don't even know what you're doing. Mm. Like, give me the gun. We're going in the chute. Let's get out of here or we're going to die. She, like, rescues herself. I actually am wearing a shirt that says self-rescuing princess. Um so what were some of your first, each of your first impressions of Leia? Uh, let's start with Maria. Okay. Um, I was, I was prepared for this to be the Ben show. <laughs> this is, this is his thing. So I wasn't going to take shit from him. Um, Please do, because I don't... would like to finish this episode under six hours. It would be great. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't remember seeing a new hope. I just don't. I'm just going to be real. The first time that I remember seeing Empire, I was in treatment. And I remember that movie. So I remember seeing this leader um, who just kept telling this man, no, like, no, <laughs> it's not happening. It's not happening. You think it's happening, but it's not happening. It's like, all right, well, we stuck in this worm. I guess it's happening. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's what I remember. And I thought it was really um, interesting to see a woman in that kind of position. And at this point, you know, it was a really old film. I'm like, wow, like, I don't remember ever seeing a woman like this in my childhood. Like, that didn't happen. Um, you know, female leads were a lot more um, subdued, um, calm and um pious uh, if that's a word that i would use but um you know so it was it was quite refreshing uh to see her kind of in the driver's seat and and really um taking charge leading the mission and all that stuff so i i immediately looked at Leia and said wow this is this is a lady right here this is it like okay i guess i'm you <laughs> Because everybody does that. I don't care how old or how young you are. When you look at a group of people on screen and they're telling a story, you immediately look to see, okay, who is me of these five mm -hmm. Power Rangers? Am I the Triceratops? Like, <laughs> I don't fucking know. Only you know. But you know what I mean? Like, just as an example, that guy smelled like whiskey. I saw him at the Comic-Con once. Anyway, not the point. <laughs> the Blue Ranger's alcoholism is not the point of this podcast. <laughs> Should he seek treatment? Probably. <laughs> but that's got nothing at all to do with this. Um, 
<laughs> Honey, uh. clean yourself up. You look a mess. <laughs> Get your shit together. I just, I couldn't believe he was still doing it. Like, he's lost all his hair and he's <sighs> wearing a blue shirt. I'm like, really? It's okay to let it go. It's okay. Like, Get a sponsor. Start working steps. <laughs> oh Jesus! What are we talking about? Carrie, <laughs> love Carrie. Um, but yeah, just identifying with her immediately as the only female person. Um, just really um, spoke to me in a way that I I don't remember ever seeing another strong female character in that way. Um, you bring up a really good point, though, uh, or at least about the Blue um, Ranger. Yeah, no, <laughs> man, I need to get it together. <laughs> yes and no. Yes, sure for the Blue Ranger, but also more <laughs> importantly, uh, oh, Leia repeatedly saying no, like the entire first mm-hmm. half of the movie, and that's yeah. for now, right now. Uh, begs the question, how much do we think was Han coercing Leia, if he was? Can we call it coercion? I think with a Harrison Ford character, there is definitely a history of these kind of coerced romances. Blade Runner is one of those where it, it definitely does not feel properly consensual and it's very uncomfortable. I think if you had anyone else except Carrie... In the role of Leia, it would have been something that didn't Mm. age as well. But the thing with Carrie is you weren't going to coerce Carrie into doing anything. Mm. And Leia and Carrie are so intertwined that it's hard to even take them from each other. That's fair. Because there is a point, you know, whether what happened in the space slug was coercion or not. There's a point in Cloud City Mm. where Leia does eventually come to terms with her feelings about Han and says I love you and dude like a playa I know that's a moment that I love in Star Wars obviously there's really great stories about the kind of the behind the scenes of that Uh, if you've read the making of the Empire Strikes Back by J.W. Rensler almost all of that was actually recorded as far as on set so those conversations between Harrison and Irvin Kirshner those are all recorded. It was something that was kind of on set because the I love you too didn't quite work. But that aside, in universe, it's something that I think is aged so well because sure, it kind of gives some power over to Han. He seems cool and slick. But just because of the dynamic of those two actors, because Carrie is so strong in her way, when she says that, it doesn't seem like it's any sort of surrender on her point. She just put the terms on the relationship. Like she's the one who just told him, like, this is what is going on, and that I know is his agreeance to it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Ben, how about some more on Leia? Okay, so I will try not to go on my <laughs> seven hour Leia fest because I could. I already warned you. more than we welcome rec- to. <laughs> I don't want to edit it. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> no, um, you sound like me. <laughs> but I did kind of warn people before the show that. This may be a recurring thing with the Katana cast when we get into characters we feel strongly about. It is very hard for me to talk about Leia at length without getting a little emotional, but that's mostly because of Carrie. And we'll get into that. So fair warning, if emotion turns you off, maybe go take a snack because it might get real before we get done with this. But as far as just Leia on her own, who I think is the strongest character in the Skywalker saga as far as her moral convictions, how she handles herself, how she deals with tragedy. 
she's so much stronger than both her brother and her father when it comes to that and her mom too if you want to get onto it mm. so she inherits both of her parents strong suits without succumbing to their shortcomings mm. if that makes any sense she has anakin's drive and also that little bit of hopefulness that he still had when it was in him like she is very idealistic and thinks that she can go out and make a change she has her mom's pragmatism about how it should be done and how much you have to sacrifice to get anything done in the world it's not going to be done immediately mm. but she doesn't succumb to just the rage and also just the despair because it's not really rage that took down anakin skywalker it's despair at the end of the day feeling like you're out of control and this is your only option leia doesn't ever succumb to that her closest thing is her moment on crate by the time we get to the last jedi and that's just a temporary moment of wondering what to do next because she's given everything and nothing seems to be working out. Padme's a little more complicated because we don't have a lot of information on her as far as, you know, right now we think that she died because she just lost the will to live. I hope they fix that in canon at some point because it's a real lazy storytelling device. And she definitely did not pass that on to her daughter. She kind of passed it down to her son because when things went wrong, Luke kind of goes on a trip and he stops <laughs> talking to people. But Leia is that character that if you're looking... For all of the movies that you see her in, because there's only a handful of characters in Star Wars that we've watched basically grow up, and that's Luke and Leia, and then Ahsoka. Um, mm. I think Ahsoka and Leia are the two strongest female characters in Star Wars. I would also say I think they're the two strongest characters in Star Wars. I don't necessarily think that there's anyone who is a, a stronger formed character arc. There's some close runners up. I think Luke is fantastic. He's usually ties with Ahsoka for my second favorite Star Wars character. You've got your, your Kylo Ren's and even Han Solo to a slightly lesser extent. But Leia is the, the heart of the Skywalker story. I think it would be so interesting to see a scenario where Leia was the Jedi yes. and Luke was the diplomat. I think that would have been interesting to see how that dynamic would have played out. Didn't they do? Didn't no, they in do... the Luke Skywalker thing, yeah. Like what ifs? I think so, or something to that point, but I just, I would love to have seen that story and how it might differ from what we got. Do you think that uh, if that Leia was the one who was the Jedi, do you think it would have taken, at least in universe, four years to no. take down God, no. Vader? God, no. <laughs> We're talking about somebody that was able to organize a diplomatic party within a couple of days. Come on. To negotiate <laughs> treaties for trade. Come on. Come on. Come on. No. We wouldn't have gotten the amazing one and only Hut Slayer scene, though. But did we get it? Did we get it? Or did women save it and make it that? Mm, that's the one. Hello. hello. Insert hello here. Yep. There it is. Actually, because <laughs> I, I I don't feel like we really got that right, mm -mm. and I'm not saying anything against that character arc for Leia because I do think that that's the perfect appropriate response for a character like Leia, which is like the height of female empowerment, the yeah. height of I'm gonna do what I want. What do you do with a character like that? You bring her down and you demean her into just a base level object. Like that was the perfect response. Um, but would I have liked to seen more uh, empowerment from that moment? Yes. When it's time to flip, 
and it's time to kill Jabba? Like, why doesn't she have a gun? Why why isn't she shooting? Why isn't she uh, killing more? You know, so I, I don't feel like it was given enough push that it needed. Um, and also, I don't think Carrie was in a space really at that point in time. She talks about how depressed she was um, during that whole thing. So I, I don't know if she was in a position to really give us what we were looking for. Uh, but again, women, women came in and they said, that's enough of that shit. Mm-hmm. We're saving it. And women saved that. I don't believe Lucasfilm ever intended to do anything with that. And if you look at my house, my house is covered in Star Wars. You will not see a picture of Slave Leia nope. anywhere in this home. It doesn't happen. I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. It's the one piece of merchandise that does not appear in this household. I don't want my my stepson and my daughter um, feeling that that's the way that a woman should be portrayed. It's one of many costumes, but the predominant costumes you see her in in this household are positive costumes. Ben, what are your takes on that? I mean, if you look back, I guess I'm just going to recommend J.W. Rensler books tonight. Uh, if you read Making of Return of the Jedi, uh, you see very clearly that Richard Marquand did not like Carrie Fisher. He didn't really? care for her. No, didn't like her. The initial meetings that they had about the character, because George was giving a little more leeway at that point. He had seven issues with his marriage, was about to go through a divorce. Like There was a lot going on in Return of the Jedi that made it what it is. It's I love Return of the Jedi. It's the most fun for me out of the original trilogy. It is also the weakest film, just from a film standpoint. Uh, there's some character arcs that are dropped. Han doesn't really get much of anything. Leia definitely is just shuffled off. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of agency in that. Mm. And what we do get from her is just because Carrie was still giving us something, even though she doesn't look happy to be there because she wasn't. Uh, she felt pretty miserable on set. And I'm sure there was other stuff going on in her personal life at the time, but the director did not do anything to ease that. So there was a there was an extremely specific choice by Richard Marquand that you can read about in that book where he said that he wanted Leia to feel more like she felt to him when he saw a new hope because he said he saw a doll and that in the Empire Strikes Back, she was a bitch and he didn't want her to be a bitch anymore. She ends up in a slave bikini shortly thereafter. You know, George definitely had a say in that one but there's there's a lot that can be drawn from when you get poor directors in the saga Uh, Mm. story changes can happen that we can try to retroactively fit in the future thank you claudia gray the only one that needs to be ever writing a leia novel (laughs) until she decides to pass the mantle uh as far as i'm concerned that's the only person who can write that voice correctly she saved the the idea of the hut slayer that's her i'm sure the story group pitched it to her but that's the reason that we even call it the Hut Slayer is because of how successful Claudia Gray's bloodline is, which is my favorite Star Wars novel. Thank you. Damn. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even know that about uh <laughs> Well, first I didn't know uh I love the take and definitely true now after talking about it, but uh women reclaiming the Hut Slayer Leia. And then also, I did not know that about uh, Richard Marquand and just his interactions, how he viewed the character of Leia, his, yeah, interactions with, with Carrie. That's uh, that's really, that's awful. Fucking shitty. Wow. Let's bring it back to Empire, though, real quick. Just because 
and you kind of alluded this, but uh, not intentionally where, you know, you were saying how Richard Marquand saw uh, Leia uh, as a doll in A New Hope and a bitch in Empire. Um, in A New Hope, I see Leia as being the one who's giving directions. And then in Empire, she's having trouble taking directions, especially from a man, which helps to create some awesome sexual tension later in the movie. But how do you think the character... Do you think that Leia's character, in terms of giving directions, receiving directions, do we think that her character sort of hits a weak spot in um, Return of the Jedi when she's on Endor? Or do we think she's still this determined, passionate, vehement fighter? Well, when you think about Endor in particular, Mm. Carrie gets one really strong moment as far as the Leia that we've kind of come to to grow and love. And that's the reverse of the I love you, I know scene. Mm -hmm. That's clearly she was there for that scene. Other than that, unfortunately, as much as I love the actual story implications, the fact that the, the Empire was defeated because Leia showed kindness to the indigenous people of the planet. From just a filmmaking standpoint, Leia is a pretty doll in a dress for a big part of that. She doesn't get a lot of agency as far as controlling what's going on. She's not really negotiating with the Ewoks with 3PO, which you would think that that would be her first thing to go to. They Mm. give a lot more to Luke. And to be fair, that is Luke's story. Return of the Jedi is very heavily centered on Luke. So it does Mm. make sense. But at the same time, you just want to see more of Leia, especially as this is the movie where we get to reveal her parentage. I kind of, I interpret it differently. Okay. As as a person who is female and has at one point in time in my life been in love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're young and you're in love. Like, your boo thing... <laughs> That's all you're thinking about, you know? So <laughs> I I kind of read it differently. I don't read it as, you know, I, I feel my, my head explanation is that she's in the moment, but she's thinking about the future with Han. And yeah, so that's right. she's distracted, mm. right? She's not on 10. She was on 10 in A New Hope. She was on 10 in Empire for a good bit of Empire. By the time she get to Jedi, she's thinking like, what kind of curtains are we going to get? What kind of dress am I going to wear? Am I going to have my hair up or down? You know, because that's what we do. I'm just being real. As, as somebody who was once young and in love and <clears throat> skinnier, you know, all of those things, um, I, I can imagine a, a young Leia thinking about, you know, I want to go back to, you know, see if there's any Alderanian dressmakers, you know, how can I interpret, you know, my family's history into this dress? And, you know, I mean, she's, she's thinking about her boo thing. So I think she's a little bit distracted. She's not her normal self. You know, she's been thrown off her game by this handsome rogue that she didn't expect to ever meet. And now, you know, she's, you know, conflicted, like her parents aren't there to, to help guide her. Her mother's not there. What's, what's the next step? You know, who, who's going to give me away, you know, all of these things, you know, that I, I kind of went through 
on my wedding day because my mother's that shit crazy. You know, who's going to be there with me in that moment? And, you know, so I feel like that that's my head explanation for what happened to Leia in Jedi. Is she's just a young, precocious young lady in love. And it is fair because I think she's, what, 24? Yeah. In Return of the yeah. Jedi. And yeah. she's never had a chance in her life to be 24 before the Empire finally falls. So that's, you know what, I take it back. Maria wins. And there's a role. lot there's a lot of newfound freedom in that. Of course no one wants to lose their family. But for the first time like she's on her own, mm-hmm. you know, and and maybe not worried so much about what daddy's going to say, what mom's going to say, you know, what what the family thinks, you know, and it's the first time that she's made this first decision on her own that you know what, I pick you. You're the one. And it's a decision that she comes to on her own. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. And and it's a pretty big step for somebody who's as young as she is and who's never been apart from her family this long. And also, like the more you talk about it, the more I've, I'm really on board with this. Because I'm also just thinking for the first time in her life, at the end of the Battle of Endor, she doesn't know what the first or excuse me, what her next step is going to be. Right. Because her entire life has been laid out in front of her since she can possibly remember. She was going to be the heir of Alderaan. We see that in Princess of Alderaan by mm. Claudia Gray. That kind of blows up in her face. Mm-hmm. Here we well, go. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, everybody. Take, take a drink of whatever you got. <laughs> I don't know what the opposite of a hello is. Like who's, who's got a good goodbye that I can use? <laughs> so my name's Ian. Uh, it's been a pleasure joining you tonight. There you go. Uh, That's it. Um, I had to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, you come up into my episode. This is my episode, Ian. How dare you come into my house? We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> I have never yelled at a non-binary person like this before. My mother only yells like this when she's drunk. I'm here for it. I deserve it. I'll admit that. Um, so we can't talk Leia without talking Carrie Fisher. And um, for me personally, especially as someone who's, you know, I have general anxiety disorder. I... I'm in recovery. Um, she, Carrie Fisher, has been a role model, not just through her portrayal of Leia, but in her own personal life as well. Mm-hmm. And um, there's celebrities when they die where obviously it's, um, I feel some kind of way or it admits some kind of response from me. Carrie's has been one of a handful Mm. that has affected me in a completely physical, mental, and spiritual way, totally. Mm. Um, And I just, how much has Carrie influenced us in our own personal lives, Um, whether as a result of Leia or being able to identify with some of Carrie's struggles? You know, what does she mean to us? For me, she was a beacon of um, just, you know, the age old Star Wars. She was a beacon of hope for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone who was able to take 
um, the hand that was dealt with her and um, use it to the best of her advantage and abilities, um, you know, flaws and all. And um, so, yeah, so, so uh, role model, you know, mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher. Um, I remember the day that the news came that she had passed. I didn't really believe it. I'm like, you know, these kinds of things happen all the time. People say things. It's the internet. So um, when I finally did hear the confirmation, it was heartbreaking. Um, I remember I just saw her not too long ago at Louisville or Indy Comic Con somewhere, and I wanted to get a picture and couldn't, and it was horrible. Um, and... Uh, there was a lot of mourning. There was a lot of grieving around that um, because she had been through some of the things that I had been through because she'd been through, you know, addiction because she had overcome so much baggage with her mom. And, and that's something that I still, you know, to this day struggle with, you know, and, and she's just, her books are amazing. If you haven't read a Carrie Fisher book, what the fuck are you doing? listening to this. Go read a Carrie Fisher book. <laughs> we'll be here. Um, you know, I just, she was not just a role model. She was an icon and she was a stigma breaker. Yes. Um, she did so much in such a short amount of time. And it's a shame that she didn't get more flowers when she was here. Mm -hmm. Um, people were so busy trying to fit her into this old antiquated stereotype of what a leading lady should be that they couldn't see the brand new hot shit she was serving like right here in your face. She didn't conform and she didn't have to. And I'm just so glad that she didn't um, because it gives these new women like Daisy Ridley um, some ground to stand on, you know, and if they want to flip someone, the bird, Hey, go for it. You know, life is short. Um, There will never be another Carrie Fisher. Just there won't be. Um, unfortunately, but we have so much to be grateful for. And she was never like nasty to the fans. Like she, she always cared about us. And I, um, I just wish she knew that we always cared about her. Um, she has mixed feelings about the fan base or she did at one point in time. Anyway, um, I just, we don't get Ahsoka without Leia. Mm Mm-hmm. We just don't, we, we don't get any of them. We don't get Ray. We don't get Jen. We just, we don't, we don't. Jana, no, no, without, and, and Leia is still the blueprint. Um, and a lot of that is Carrie and, and script doctoring and all that other stuff that she's done along the way is just icing. Um, I don't. I feel like we'll see another wave of young ladies come forward in the next 10 years that have been impacted by her from the sequel trilogy um, in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see what that looks like um, in that role um, because it's a little bit different, right? She's, she's now the Jedi master. She's the general, she's the leader. And so these young ladies are going to grow up with a normalized vision of women in leadership. 
and knowing that that's possible at any age. So I'm excited to hear what those young ladies, what those young ladies will be doing in, in 10, 20, 30 years. Um, I think that her place in history is cemented. There's nothing anyone can do about it. I just, I wish that <clears throat> the world wasn't ready. That was the problem. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was the problem. Like most things, the world was not ready for Carrie Fisher. Go, Ben. So I think this is going to be a fun part of every show where you find out that all three of us are uh, recovering drug and alcohol addicts who have had our long and storied issues with self-medication, which is uh, its own story unto itself. So when I was going through my personal detox, I did it the wrong way. I should have definitely been in a recovery program. I didn't do it that way. Should have. I do not recommend anyone try to do it at home. Don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't do it. I decided to lock myself in a room and this decided to just kind of ride out the storm. Again, very bad example. Do not take my example on it. Wow. Only Damn. reason I bring this up uh, is the only thing that made me feel safe was reading Wishful Drinking and Shockaholic because Carrie knew who she was and it wasn't scary. It was fucked up and sometimes it was funny and it was tragic and it was sad because you could see and hear how much pain was in her from that. Jesus Christ, it's my turn, isn't it? Motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> but no, you could hear the pain that there was, but pain didn't get to her because she knew that humor was the only way to get past that. She famously used to say that, um, that her life was funny because if it wasn't funny, it would simply be true. And that was unacceptable. And that is a, a motto that I follow in a lot of ways is because you just have to push through it. You have to see things for what they are and find the humor, find your power in your weakness, which is what she did her entire career, which unfortunately kind of backfired on her because people didn't know what to do with the lady who would look you straight in the face and be like, hi, I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict and I'm bipolar because those are things you're supposed to joke about somebody on. That's the late night TV fodder, especially in, excuse me, the late eighties, early nineties, hell up until now, mostly. Mm. And it wasn't, you could make the joke. That's fine. Hers would be funnier. She wrote a lot of books on it. If you haven't sat down and at least listened to the audiobooks where she reads things like postcards from the edge or delusions of grandma or Surrender the Pink, or The Best Awful, which is my personal favorite. Uh, they are mostly autobiographical. They're thin, thin veneer of fiction over the top of that. But you really get to know her because she wasn't scared of revealing herself to us. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, her first tabloid photo, if I remember, was she was a couple hours old. So her entire life was in the public spotlight. And at some point, she learned... Well, who cares? People can think whatever they want. You're going to end up on the paper anyways. So just be unashamedly you because it's the only person that you can be. They'll call you out on it, but they'll also call you out if they catch you pretending to be someone else. And that's something that I take a, a very strong inspiration from. I think a lot of people have learned how to be fearlessly themselves because of Carrie. How much, um, and Maria, you sort of alluded to it, uh with the script doctoring uh 
how much do you do you think that she had a voice in with Padme, um, or even Anakin, and that kind of relationship, or maybe their um, personality traits? I, I definitely see a lot of her in in Padme's personality, the strength, the leadership, um, but also the vulnerability, right? Like she gets to a point with Anakin where she she kind of drops some of the the pomp and circumstance and just kind of is herself at some point, um, which is, you know, that vulnerability shows up in Leia too. So I feel like um, there's a little bit of a hand in that. Um, I think Carrie's greatest contribution to Padme is probably in like the notes of how delivery was given. You know, um, I will not condone an action that'll lead us to war. You know, I mean, things like that. Um, I feel like those are her greatest contributions to Padme. I'm gonna shut up. Go, Ben. I already know. <laughs> I'm. I was just gonna say. I think. And it's it's off of the topic mostly. It's not necessarily about her influence on the prequels. If if you're listening and you don't know, Carrie did come in as a script doctor on the Phantom Menace, and I believe she did a, a lesser degree of work on Attack of the Clones and was not there for Revenge of the Sith. Uh, so it's it's commonly assumed, even though we don't know the details of it, that a lot of Shmi Skywalker's dialogue in the Phantom Menace was reworked heavily by Carrie. She was mostly known for coming into script doctor female characters for male screenwriters and directors. She had a, you know, a very good talent on how women sound without sounding cliche. Surprise, a woman knows how to write a woman. Like, who would ever mm. thought of that? <laughs> wow. Right. But I, to this day, I still think that her greatest contribution to the saga was just how much she influenced Leia. Uh, if you go back through her script for a new hope for example there's just little things that she would scribble in the margins as a 19 year old actress uh famously where in the script it said that princess leia comes down the hallway she is staggeringly beautiful because she was carrie she just crossed it out so it said princess leia comes down the hallway she is staggering because that's what she brought to that character was this kind of rough and tumble edge to it empire strikes back her script is full of notes she really dove into the dialogue and i think it's because she had a really good working relationship with Irvin kirshner who is a fantastic director of character dramas and that's why empire is as strong as it is it's a character piece like we get to know all of those characters through his direction and obviously lawrence kasdan as well coming on as the screenwriter for that i think the thing that you see the biggest difference when Carrie had a hand in is the difference in her portrayal when she returned for The Force Awakens versus The Last mm. Jedi. Because she was very nervous about coming back to acting. It's very well documented. JJ has talked about it before. I don't think there was a lot of involvement by him on The Force Awakens as far as what her input would be on the character. Ryan, on the other hand, who is also another fantastic director of character pieces mm. famously sat in her house in her bedroom and they sat with notebooks and he just asked her to talk about Leia and what ideas she had and you see the most Leia in The Last Jedi mm -hmm. as far as who that character had come to represent and Carrie and Leia just merge 
because all the things that she had said publicly in interviews or even in her own writing about how she had wished that she could express more vulnerability with Leia because she knew she was strong, but Leia never really got a chance for that to hit her. Like she lost her world, she lost her planet, and she always had to still be strong and keep these boys going. The Last Jedi is the first time we get to see her really have a moment where everything crashes down on her emotionally with that fantastic scene with her and Laura Dern as Emily Holdo, where she's talking about how she can't do any more loss. And then her greatest single piece of acting, I think period is the scene with her and Luke meeting again on crate where that character is still as strong as she's ever been, but it's the first time that we ever really see her get close to losing her spark of hope. She's done everything she knows how to do. She doesn't know what to do next. And that moment between her and Mark Hamill is, it's genuinely breathtaking. If you've never seen the behind the scenes footage of the filming of that scene, it's awe inspiring because everyone on that set is deathly silent and also crying at the same time. It's really, really powerful acting for both of them. And I think that's what happened when you let her really get a hand in stuff. We will never really know what she could have done with what eventually became the rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. Kathy Kennedy famously said that she got a call from Carrie saying, well, the next one's my movie, right? Because first one's Harrison's next one was Mark. So it's my turn. Right. And we'll never really know what it could have happened if Carrie had got some input on at least Leia's eventual story. I like to think that she would have been so excited if she knew that she got a lightsaber. If she finally could have been fighting with all the boys, she would have loved that so much. Because she always talked about how much she loved being the only girl in an all-boys club. She loved to run and jump with them, but still be the only girl. She would have been so excited. Just thinking about uh, the Luke and Leia scene is uh, Mm -hmm. gut-wrenching. So... Um, how do, so that sort of brings in this next question about Leia influencing the other characters in Star Wars, just how much of an influence not only was Carrie with the others involved in making Star Wars, but also with the characters themselves and just how the characters have fed off of um, Leia's dominant personality. Um, I think Maria a- really kind of put the the nail on the head there when she said that without Carrie's particular portrayal of Leia, we wouldn't have had the female characters that we had. Give me a female that. character, yeah. and I can trace it back to Leia. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty easy to do. Sabine Wren, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to talk about um, a house of royalty, right? Mm-hmm. One of the main houses of Mandalore, right? And she leads her brother, right? She's not the damsel in distress in that um, she's actually older than he is. She's leading the charge there. She's not afraid to speak her mind, even to her mother's face. Like, I mean, just just pick, throw a stone and pick a character and tell me that Leia didn't have a hand in it. Like, there's a lot of Leia and Sabine. There's a lot of Leia and Ahsoka. There's, you know, it, it, it's there. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of Leia and Hera, that dialogue. Mm. Oh. The, the dynamic between her and Kanan wouldn't really exist without, without Empire. Han and Leia. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. why don't we um, 
Well, before we bring this to a close, are there any other uh, Leia stories you'd like to either see, hear, or read? Um, oh, I've got mine. I've had mine ready since the <laughs> night that I saw The Rise of Skywalker because I had to have something happy to think about when I came out of that movie. Again, I promise I'm not going to rag on it every podcast. I said that last time. I promise I'll <laughs> shut up. Anyways, hey, Lucasfilm. Are you listening? Hey, Lucasfilm Publishing. So here's the thing. Uh, Claudia Gray, I know you're busy right now. You got some stuff going on. When you get a chance, if you would like to tell me a Leia story that happens during the rise of Skywalker to really dive into her journey, because Ray Carson did the best that she could do with it. She really brought some really beautiful Leia moments in her novelization of the film. But I want to hear more about Leia's personal journey into the Force, especially... As Luke is no longer there, obviously, I I don't believe Luke and Leia were a dyad, but their birth definitely affected the other as far as their force capabilities. And so I wonder with Luke being gone, if the way that the force is, it's always balanced and it's liquid and it's fluid. I wonder if Leia's abilities kind of came back to her in more of a rush than what she was anticipating, because obviously when in danger, that awakes in her for her moment mm-hmm. in The Last Jedi when she pulls herself back to the ship. She does not flying. She force pulls herself. It's yes. very simple. There's no gravity. There. You don't have to talk about it in the comments. I saved you time. We're all good. But I'd love to see <laughs> what it feels like for her to realize like, that she's through this process of mourning but also trying to lead. But you can tell that she is going out of her way to try to set up people to inherit her different legacies, which is mm-hmm. probably my favorite part of Ray Carson's novelization is going over the fact that Leia holds the legacy for the Skywalkers, for the Organas, for Mm. the Solos. She's the last of all of those lines. And in, respectively, Ray and Ben and... No, excuse me, Ray and Poe and Ben, she finds an inheritor for all of those legacies. So I I just want to know more about her internal monologue. She was doing something. Also, if you want to do extended flashbacks of her training, I, I wouldn't be angry at that either. Maria, how about you? As a mom, right? Mm. Without a mom raising a child, it's beyond difficult because you constantly question yourself. You wonder if you're doing it right. Are you going to fuck up like the last one did? Um, And do you still carry that mark of failure? Um, I want to hear a story about her being a good mom okay Mm. no parent is perfect um but we do the best that we can um so whatever happened with ben people make choices right and we all see things the way we see things and sometimes we see them that way because we don't want to think about it the other way right it couldn't be that she just trusted him to become a decent human being without being overbearing, you know? Uh, and and she knew that the, the fate of the galaxy was at stake, which is a higher calling, right? And I just, it hurts me when I hear Leia is a bad mom. Mm. As, as a recovering person, as a person who's made a lot of mistakes with a, with a young girl, a young daughter um, in my life now, it's hard for me um, to not question am i doing it right and i think there is a way 
to not diminish Ben's story and also not drag Leia's story through the dirt. Mm -hmm. I want to hear a complex story about a woman who's doing the best she fucking can, who is everything to everyone and still trying to love this person as much as she can. Um, And just never, it never registers for whatever reason. It's there, but it's about how you see it, right? And maybe Ben didn't see that. Maybe he needed more than what she could give. I just, I want to hear that story. That's the story that I need to hear as a young mother um, trying to raise somebody to do this the right way. I love that idea. Especially, I would love for people to have that story so that we stop getting the same kind of, it's a funny joke, but also the the lazy idea of uh, we need to talk about Kylo novel. Because I don't think that's what Ben's childhood was like. I don't think that he came out off and that Han and Leia just didn't know how to handle him. They're just very complicated people who are better at their given jobs than they were necessarily at a relationship. Even you can tell with their own personal relationship and Brea Organa to go back a little bit is a fantastic mother. If you're reading uh, Leia Prince of, of Alderaan, but she's a little distant just because of her title as Queen of Alderaan. And I wonder if that influenced Leia in some ways, because I'm sure she put all of the love that she could into it. She quit her Jedi path because she wanted to save her son. There's definitely no part of her that was just an absentee parent intentionally. But sometimes you can do everything that you can, and your your child's still just going to take their path that they do. Like She was still there for him until the very end. Mm-hmm. And just, I know it's not me, but it it does hurt when people say that shit. Like yeah. Leia was a trash mom. Like, let's slow down, everybody. Let's slow down, um, and just try to imagine a world where there's a woman who has so many damn responsibilities. She's got so much that she's committed herself to, and it's because every single one of those things is fucking important. All of them, even him, like they're Mm -hmm. important. And it's really hard to be a mom when you don't have one. So I want to remind people Mm -hmm. of that. Like I didn't have that. And I don't know how much she got from Brea in her short time together. Like Princess of Alderaan, they seem pretty close, but um, you know, that shit, I don't know. It can be deceiving at sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always wished I'd had like the full house mom or, or, you know, some semblance of that. My mom was normally passed out by about four o'clock. She just, she wasn't there. So what do I tell this kid? You know, I don't fucking know, right. but I do the best I can. And I think we need to slow down on the witch hunt with the layers of that mom. And I don't want to necessarily derail it, especially as we're nearing the end of the episode, but I do just want to point out that it does bring to mind, even though they're not, they're definitely not one for one comparisons, but the conversation around Joe Biden and Hunter right now, Oh yeah, Yeah. this whole idea of like, Oh, your kid went through a rough patch. Like how awful were you? And sometimes that's just not the case. Like we all go on our journeys. Like I'd, definitely do not have a speaking relationship with my parents i don't blame my issues with you know addiction 
from them. I'm sure that I picked up stuff, but they didn't lead me to it. I, they right. actively tried to steer me from it, if anything. And I think it's lazy to just blame the parents in yes. reality or in fiction because it's it's oversimplifying Absolutely. the person's individual journey. Because at the end of the day, it's the kid that's making the choices or uh, you know, going in the direction that they're set on going in. It's not the parent that's telling them what to do, uh, you know, when they're of age or really at uh, any age in adulthood, you know, mm-hmm. it's a kid is an individual entity and a parent can only do so much uh, or um, try to control so much of their child before that child um, goes in their own direction. For me personally, I would love a Leia story involving her path, not just in Jedi training, but like building and constructing her lightsaber and mm-hmm. like um, building her connection to the Force and what it was like with uh, like picking out her kyber crystal and whatnot. Um, and I'd also like one um I, like maybe a short story or like some kind of flash fiction story involving Leia and Ben and crossing the threshold into like the force ghost heaven or whatever it is mm-hmm. like I feel like that because neither one of them becomes a force ghost or neither one of them becomes one with the force until yeah. both are gone. So I'd love some kind of like short story depicting that scenario. Yeah, um, absolutely. And if we could get a similar to, we got with the legends of Luke Skywalker, I want a legends of Leia Organa where, how does the galaxy feel about this woman who basically won two wars in her lifetime? Yeah. And, was royalty lost the planet? There has to be a chance for people to really experiment with short stories that may or may not be canonical. So that uh, that we just had the same opportunity that we had with the legends of Luke Skywalker, with exploring what he means thematically, maybe more so than what he means in reality. If yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's end this episode with our favorite uh, Leia moment ever, or. A couple favorite Leia moments. Ben, we'll start with you. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Only a couple. I can only do a couple. We'll be okay. So, my first <laughs> we one. We can do is... three if you want. <laughs> no, because it's going to be a top 10 list and nobody has the energy for that. It's been a long day for all of us, just so everyone yeah. knows. We're a little bit punch drunk and we are just barely hanging in there, but we've had a really fun time having conversations. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been a great Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. So, my oddly, my favorite Leia moment comes from Bloodline, and it's after her parentage is revealed to the Senate, so that mm. that becomes the thing that everybody needs to make the new boogeyman out of, is that Leia Organa is secretly the daughter of Darth Vader. The fact that she just shows up to the Senate in a black cape because that is who Leia is, just at her core, mm. which is take the thing and and what I know what it is. Like it has nothing to do with me, but you can't steal my power because i'm already wearing it uh as far as in the films itself my favorite leia moment we've already talked about it it's her reunion with luke on crate i think that's just 
both of those characters are at their purest moment during that. Mark and Carrie always worked so well together. So anytime you got to see them interacting on film is always really something of yeah other than that anything in the last jedi that's just her strongest as general leia and she speaks to me so much as an older woman in ways that does not make sense as a 30 year old man that i feel so strongly about this 60 year old woman because i i see her and a lot of times things will come out and i just oh well that's me like i'd slap poe too like he's acting like a jackass yes i would shoot him across the room i just feel very strongly about her portrayal in that movie that's my favorite Leia is Last Jedi. Maria, how about you? I was going to say the slap from Last Jedi too. As someone (laughs) who leads people, like it is paramount that you understand the power of the unit and the amount of trust that is given to you. You cannot afford to make a miscalculation when you are in charge of the unit And every single one of those people has a family to get back to. Every single one of those people has something they want to do this weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, And you cannot take that for granted. Um, Now, my job is not anywhere near as dangerous (laughs) as flying pilots into, you know, open bombers. But um, we do have at least one suicide attempt a year at the call center. Mm -hmm. Because people are just stressed out and um, the calls that we get are not great. They're usually people that are angry and screaming Mm -hmm. and um, it's tough. And that's when, when I have to have the Leia, the Leia voice, like, all right, we're going to put this down. You're going to look at me and you're going to put it down and hand it to me. Like, give me the box cutter. It's going to get better. You know, and and you've got to be able to see that person as a person, right? You're leading a team, yes, but each one of those people is people, you know, and being able to discern that and find value there, um, even when they're not following the rules, you know, because they're sort of like children. Sometimes they do whatever they want to do and, and you just have to love them in spite of sometimes. Uh, And that's part of being a good leader is not always taking all your frustrations out on people. It's just giving them space and grace to be themselves the same way somebody did for you. Um, But I feel like that's my favorite Leia moment is her trying to teach that to Poe. And also just the fact that it isn't isn't her big machismo moment. She's not necessarily just punishing him to put him in his place. It comes from concern. Like, she is a mother. Yeah, I was just about to say, it's like the mom, like, boy, what you doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much. Um, I feel Poe's the son that she wished she had had. Yes. Yeah, for sure. She knows how to handle that, right? Because he's like Han. Yeah. Very much. Or more importantly, she's or he is so much like her because in the sequel trilogy, if you're going direct parallels, Ray is your Luke parallel. Finn is your Han parallel because he's your outsider and your rogue who's coming into a bigger thing and deciding if he wants to be part of it. And Poe is the one who was raised in the rebellion is having to learn how to be more mature about it and not just fly by the seat of his pants. Mm -hmm. And Leia is his role model. Like yeah. both textually and then just as a, a screenwriting format. Yeah, for sure. My favorite Leia moment. 
Uh, I'm going to go with two. Because uh, one has already been said, and it's the Luke and Leia. Like mm-hmm. that, the first time I saw it in the movie theater, and every time after, and then even still on video watching at home, and then even like talking about it earlier, like the floodworks starts happening. Um, it's just so emotional, so indescribable, almost like the perfect Leia moment because it mm-hmm. transcends the film, right? It's all because it's like what uh, art imitates life, and it's just a whole. Um, like meta thing. Um, and then my second is probably it's cause it's between these two moments actually in the rise of Skywalker. Um, I think I'm going to go with the lightsaber moment just because to me, it just made sense. And um, it just seemed like it was a full, like in every movie, it's a full realization of Leia and who Leia is. And in The Rise of Skywalker, it just seemed like, un, you know, it just seemed natural. It seemed like, yes, like this is the obvious, not just the obvious choice, but also just like this is her character and this is her natural progression, her natural step. Um, and I felt like just knowing that that option was fulfilled by her, even though she didn't necessarily uh, become a full Jedi Knight or whatever, like she was trained. And that was just like another thing on her to-do list that she checked off, got accomplished, like that, because that's who she is, right? She's got like a whole list of shit she's got to do. And that was just one of them. And it wasn't even for her like that big a deal. Cause going back to what Maria said, like she's being pulled in every which direction and being a mother just so happened to be more important at that time. And she knew she had to step up because, uh, because just because she had to. And I believe also that she didn't want to have her son grow up without a mother who was absent as much as Leia did with Brea. And, uh, yeah. So that brings, that brings today's <laughs> voyage to an end. Thank you for choosing Wonderful the Katana cast. We hope you enjoyed your trip. Be sure to follow and subscribe to our feed to stay up to date on all our latest episodes. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at the KatanaCast and email us katanacast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow our personals, you can follow me at igallagher321. Ben? Hey guys, if you'd like to follow me, I'm available at Ben is the Worst on Twitter. Uh, also, let's all do ourselves a favor and do carry proud. Check in your state when you can vote early. If you need to vote by mail-in ballot, find out all the information on that. Go out and vote because this is this is not just something that we can ignore, even if it's a Star Wars podcast. This is real life. 
that's what Carrie would want you to do. Yeah. So mm-hmm. do Space Mom a favor and make her proud, and she'll flip you off from the heavens. Maria. Hey, everybody. It's me, Maria. Uh, again, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> if you really, really, really want to hear somebody rant about Eminem or <laughs> Ahsoka figures, or you just really, really, really want to see some outlandish shit, you can follow me at Blurred Girl Jedi on Twitter at your own risk, at Instagram, your own risk. Um, you've been warned. Please don't DM me about why the fuck am I posting this? Because it's an it's an adult Twitter page. It is what it is. Uh, you know, it's it's really for me. So if you want to if you want to do it, that's cool. But please bear in mind that it's it's really for me, and it's not for you. If you want to follow the show, uh, the other show that I do, it's Sisters with Sabers. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Sabers with and on Instagram at Sisters with Sabers if you're interested in that. And it has a lot less sexual content on it. <laughs> Thanks. And and if for any reason you're offended by anything that we say on Twitter, just understand that all of the really crazy stuff goes on in our own personal group chat. And we're saving you from it. <laughs> we're going out of our way. We're good people. And you're welcome. Woo. <laughs> Amen. Again, thanks for choosing the Katana cast for your cruise. We appreciate your continuing support. And as always, may the force be with you. Now you put her in S&M clothes. You have some weird, creepy little S&M thing going on, George. <laughs> I'm now what the S&M? S&M. Well, I'm an because S&M you were joke in a on harem? Friends. I, I guess. That's not S&M. Come on, that's. Well, you said bikini. now you said that this, you know, right. the, she's in a weird outfit now too. Well, she is actually. You she, she's, my- she's in more S&M than you were, but we were in harem. You know, but it was the chains and the killing of the slug is very S and M these days. Really? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I, I thought you, know, you were I, just killing a slug. I just missed the outer edge of the S and M scene. Yeah, I'm no, I, so I, upset. That I may have been naive, but I sort of missed that that angle.